Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Welcome to the Midnight Film Review, episode seventy-five, The Awakening. <laughs> By Kate Chopin. So, somebody uh, has got to be keeping track of of. Uh... How many ings, 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 innings that we are, we're on? The ink, the, the titling inning, the titling inning. Don't waste them all now. That we have plenty of episodes ahead of us. And that sounded. There's some weird rhythm to that. Well, my name's Colin Smith. I'm Brian Stevens. We have huge. A good, <laughs> we we have huge things and also not huge things. We've got a <laughs> an episode this week that uh, I'm just. I'm looking forward to putting past me. Um, we're going to start off with a, a, a fairly short open discussion uh, this week, I think. Uh, talk a little bit about the potential for a Batgirl movie. Ooh, ah. Batgirl. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to see the return of our favorite mini segment. They're franchising what now? <laughs> and we're going to finish off open discussion with a couple of listener emails. Uh, we both have some media hot takes this week. Yeah. And then we're going to finish the episode with a, a review of Ghost in the Shell. Colin's favorite movie of the year so far. The the uh, the most unintentionally ironic film <laughs> ever made. I say that with full confidence. Yeah. You might be right about uh-huh. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which... You might think would give you an idea about how I feel about it, but it's so much more complicated than that. So there's, much more. There's not a, there's not a, this is going to be a, I think about a three hour runtime episode <laughs> this week. <laughs> so maybe we should get on with it. The, the biggest, the most exciting piece of unverified Hollywood pseudo news, again, <laughs> uh, came to us courtesy of DC uh, and Warner Brothers this week. With, I guess, uh, who who reported it first? Variety. Variety did? Variety, yeah, Variety. I have the original uh, yeah. article pulled up right here. So, apparently, Joss Whedon is nearing a deal, quote-unquote, to write and direct a Batgirl solo film. That's true. Which would be a huge departure for Joss Whedon, writing and directing about a strong female lead. Um, yeah. <laughs> something he's never done before. Getting out of his comfort zone, you know? Right. Uh, yeah, so this is, uh, this is interesting for a lot of reasons. I think Joss Whedon fans are, you know, all, they're always waiting for his next project. And working with Marvel and doing the Avengers was kind of a departure from what we usually see him do, which is... Uh, more usually TV, very character driven, mm-hmm. and usually develops a cult following. Yeah, um, with a strong female arch- archetypal. And usually character. has and usually yeah. has stronger uh, control over the project. Yeah, so that that brings us to the most confusing part about this is he so he not only does he like to have strong creative control he left Marvel he he stepped down after Avengers 2 because of basically their 
I don't think it was treatment of the script, but their editing. Mm-hmm. Um, they cut a lot of the film and changed things. And you know, as a director, that's got a. I can't feel good, especially if it. If you're directing a film somebody else wrote, um, you know it probably still doesn't feel good. But yeah, especially after they he handed them yeah. Avengers, the first Avengers, and basically pushed Marvel into another atmosphere. It was really disappointing because I think the the sentiment that we heard from from the the studio was that nobody wanted to see a sort of three hour movie yeah. or something like that, and. I think people would have rather seen that version of the film than the one they gave us, mm-hmm. but that's neither here nor there. So DC is <laughs> has been having problems with creative control and finding people to be willing to do their films. Um, Can we just real quick think? Yeah, just let's just talk about this for a second. Yeah. Uh, so Ben Affleck backed out of the Batman movie that he was supposed to be directing. Uh, Aquaman, uh, no, sorry, Flash is on its third director. Uh, that film was supposed to be in the bag already, but they can't find anybody to, to direct it. Um, James Wan, uh, Aquaman's director, there were rumors about him stepping down and leaving over creative control, arguments whether or not he would stay. He eventually did stay, but that movie's still a, a, a ways out. Well, and, and then the Flash movie, um, we finally have a director because of agreements over uh, creative control, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, no, that it's I guess that's Batman. We, we don't... Oh, yeah, don't yeah, yeah, we, yeah. So yeah, Matt, Matt Reeves sorry. stepped up. Matt Reeves, yeah. But, but, yeah, he wanted... Yeah, that was the thing is creative control. Yeah, so it's... I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. It, I mean... Obviously, what they're doing now is not working. We've—it's a dead horse we've beaten. Um, <laughs> obviously, Zack Snyder is not the right choice. So, I, I feel like Joss Whedon has never made something that doesn't have some sort of value, mm-hmm. even if it's not—you know—I mean, Avengers Two was not what it could have been. It was still a good film, um, fun, but it. Does it, it feel it, like a, a weird yeah. joint? It it did not uh, have the the impact of the the first Avengers film. So I don't know. It's just sort of a weird weird bedfellows mm-hmm. here, and uh, I'm just waiting for DC to uh, Warner Brothers to ruin everything. You know, here's the here's the thing about this too, is it it says. This Variety article says Batman, Batgirl, Batgirl is one of the most popular superheroes in the world, but has never gotten her own movie. Um, I don't really agree with that. I think that <laughs> even as far as female characters go, there's a, 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 a lot. Uh, there's more, more than that comes to mind. Put it that way. But I think this is the perfect character for Warner Brothers to kind of step back and say. Sure, you can have creative control. You know, it's not one of the big five. It's not Batman. It's not Superman or Aquaman, Flash, or Wonder Woman. You know, this is a second-tier superhero in there. Yeah, I mean, uh, so she's... Well, I think she's played an important role um, Mm -hmm. as... 
I mean, I don't, I don't know how much I should talk about it. Basically, with becoming, you know, like Watchtower, um, you know, post paralysis, mm-hmm. that whole thing, and I don't really know how popular she is in New Fifty Two. Uh, anyway, yeah, I don't really, I don't really care. I'm not going to debate <laughs> you on that one. I, I feel like we, who, I don't know if either of us really know, but from an outsider's perspective, I would probably agree. I don't. I don't know how many, but then again, how many female heroes are there? That's, I mean, in well, the DC well, that's, stable that that's are, a good point yeah, too. So, anyway, I th- and ready to move on? Yeah, let's move it. Okay, so <laughs> moving and grooving right on to the next one. I, I'm kind of excited to talk about this one because I'm going to have a positive outlook about this. All right. Well, I will. Uh, I will strive to crush you and <laughs> rebut everything you say. So, oh, excuse me. Um, I don't really know how this story broke. So we we read an article on IGN, and basically what it said is that Activision Blizzard, um, who famously created a production studio for the Warcraft film last year, has announced that they are not making one, but making a franchise or planning a franchise of Call of Duty films. Naturally. Why Naturally. You? That's you you have to run before you can walk. <laughs> I feel like that is the the lesson that the studios have internalized over the last ten years. <laughs> run before you walk. Look how fast Disney Marvel is going. <laughs> let's yeah, run. Yeah, yeah, let's 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 uh light speed, let's go. Yeah. So they've said they they actually have scripts, multiple scripts ready. Multiple scripts ready. Um, they're planning the cinematic universe, and they have a producer who is co-leading the company and who uh, did this interview. So that <laughs> I guess. And see, he doesn't even talk about this. I'm like giving them the benefit of the doubt and filling in gaps, <laughs> because there is a there is a certain continuity in the first two modern warfare games, and there is a continuity between World of War and Black Ops. Mm-hmm. But then that's really that's really it. Yeah. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. No, um, I, I mean, no. You're. I agree. So, how is this? Tell me how this is going to work. How how are they going to make these compelling films? Well, because because I don't think they have to even. So th- this is my this way that I, I'm looking at this. I don't think they they're nobody really cares about the storylines from any of these games. Uh, I, you know, I've played the story arc of I think the first Modern Warfare, Call of Duty two. And maybe one other, maybe the first Black Ops, maybe the second Black Ops. I don't remember, but for the most part, only people just play these games for the multiplayer aspect. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and disagree with you in a big way there. Um, The the first Modern Warfare set a standard for um, a cinematic uh, story shooter experience. That really has not been met by a a game since. Um, there are, and, and the second one too. I mean, people like the the controversy around the the airport 
scene in, in the second game. Mm-hmm. Um, the... I don't know. It, it's just... Uh, the, I feel like that is what made those games really stand out, especially compared to the sequels now. And I mean, the the single-player campaigns in the Battlefield games and in those games have really just been sad attempts to ape the first two Modern Warfare games when um, Infinity Ward was still at the helm um, I mean, they, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know it anyway. I, I guess my point is I don't feel like maybe at this point when you say Call of Duty, anybody, I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not a huge gamer, but I just know that when I talk to most kids who play these games, you know, cousins or nephews, they just play against their friends and go online and compete and no, that's that's absolutely true, and that's what the genre has become. But um, the the story, the campaign in the first two Modern Warfare games, especially, uh, was the still still probably the pinnacle of a modern shooter first person, you know, storytelling. Um, I mean, there are other there are other games that are more narrative driven that I really would not consider that sort of game, yeah. like Spec Ops: The Line or something that have that are, you know. But yeah, I I don't know I. I just don't. My, my point is I don't think anybody. I don't think they're going to do any kind of direct, direct translation of a story to screen. I think this is taking characters, so I think they're probably gonna. Use uh, Soap McTarvish as the main character, and uh, or uh, what's the other one? Uh, Captain, um, I can't remember the other. other. So it's Mc, McTavish. McTavish. Soap, Soap McTavish, and then I can't remember the captain's name. Um, let me look it up real quick here. He, he's in multiple ones too, though, right? Just the first two games. First two games. Yeah. Uh, John Price. Yeah, Captain um, Price. But he's he's an all uh, oh. Call of Duty, Call of Duty Two, Call of Duty Four, Modern Warfare Two, Modern Warfare Two, Modern Warfare Three, um, are all the games he's featured in. Uh, so that's John Price. So I think those are probably the two characters they're going to build this off of. I I don't know how they're going to do it, but I do, I think that this is out of all the franchises that are being launched, this is the one that makes the most sense to me because. In my opinion, and you you may be right, and I could be wrong. They I don't think they they're beholden to any source material. They're just beholden to two characters, and they have an IP that has name cachet that people know and recognize, and will turn out for. I'm not hopeful that these are going to be necessarily good movies, but I definitely think they're going to make money off this. I mean, yeah, but you said you were ex- you said you were excited for it or optimistic. I, I am. I'm, I'm optimistic that what what I mean by that is like there's not it. There's nothing. I don't feel like they're gonna ha- they're gonna have room to tell whatever story they want to tell, if they decide to tell a story. I and I feel the only thing that gives me pause is the idea of wanting to have a, a you know the article said something about having a TV show. 
similar to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and having all these different movies um, run together. So that's the only thing that's kind of confusing is how they're going to pull off this universe. But as far as making multiple Call of Duty movies and a television show, I I feel like there is room to tell a story there that, it, you know, with these characters. I think that I could be wrong. I'm not saying I'm going to bet my life on this, but I just feel optimistic that this is a IP and there's enough room where people aren't going to complain if you change storylines. You know, the, a lot of times with video games, we see, for instance, you know, recently Assassin's Creed. They changed so much about that movie from the video game. People were like, not not us necessarily, but we also were like confused by why they didn't just stick to what the game had already laid out. This is a little bit more free reign, in my opinion. Like I, I remember playing that campaign. And being like into it, but I could not tell you what happened when you when you started talking about it. I like things floated back to my to my memory, but from my like from my past. But I don't. I didn't. I mean, I didn't play it more than once. It's so the the thing about and it sucks that I'm having so much trouble describing those games is that they take this interesting sort of alternate real world hypothetical situation and they thrust you in it but the the scale and the cinematic quality and the 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 investment of you as you're part of this team dealing with this crisis is very real and how do you uh, I, I mean so how do you take any of that and make it a compelling movie, and you're suggesting that they just sort of throw the baby out with the bathwater and just do whatever they want. But they're talking about doing um, films in in different time periods, which is kind of what happened between World at War and the original Black Ops. Mm-hmm. You have the basically the end of like the fall of Stalingrad and the end of the the campaign in Europe and Russia. And then this one of the the characters is sort of moves into this post Vietnam Cold War era. Um, it, but so what? I mean, like, what's the point? Like, what do you you just make a period? You make period war films? Is that and call I, them call I them guess. Call of Duty? I mean, I, I I really think they're going to, especially those four films, um, or the, like those. I guess those periods. I really feel like they're going to borrow at least something from the narratives in the games. And the the thing is, none of the other games, World at War and. Uh, even Black Ops, they're fun and enjoyable, but they did not have the the same campaign experience that Modern Warfare 1 and mm. 2 did, where you became invested in characters that did not necessarily live, where the endings shocked people. Yeah. Uh, where you... And, and I, I mean, that's... And again, like the... So the, the airport scene, you are... You're playing... You play an undercover... Um, special forces, a soldier 
implanted as part of this Russian separatist terrorist group. Mm -hmm. And you, as part of the game, you go into the airport and conduct a terrorist attack and you kill civilians. And it was controversial and it's like, it's unpleasant. And those are the things that people remember. Those are the reasons that that campaign has withstood the test of time and has been, you know, remade as of last year. Yeah. Um, and you talk about those games and the things people people still remember things fondly, like the uh, the amusement park sniping um, mm-hmm. scene, or you know, uh, because of how tense it is. And um, I just I don't feel like. There, I, I just I don't feel like people are good at translating that experience into film. I, I think we see studios that have trouble translating things that should be pretty straightforward into film. Yeah. Things with a really short yeah. narrative arc and a fine world and characters and a cinematic quality, and they still fuck it up. Like I don't disagree with you. I I just I think that there is an opportunity here to. Use this IP for, for good, and I, I mean I could be wrong. I I could be way off. I just I, I just don't see. I, this is a logical idea to me. Is my is my point? I, it makes sense to make multiple Call of Duty movies. Like I just think that it does. Now trying to tie them all together is weird to me, um, especially because there's so many different. I mean, you have so many different, like, time periods, like you mentioned, and I don't really know how they're going to do this. I, you know, I think I, I think that if, if it is done the right way, that it could be very successful and could be somewhat entertaining. I just am not – this isn't, like, the worst idea to me is, I guess, my, my point. I'm not – I don't see – I mean <clears> – <throat> Of, of all the video games that you could make into movies and screw up, I think this is on the low end. Uh, so I'm like I'm gonna put it out there now. They are going to try and do a direct adaptation of the campaign of modern warfare and it's just not they're not gonna quite make it work, you know. That's what put that's, it in the put it in the vault is what is Colin saying. That's what's going to happen. I mean, you know, I just yeah, yeah, we'll see. We will see, Colin. Well, let's move on. I I did some speaking of video games. Yeah, good segue. Um, hey, nice high five. <laughs> so we received an email from regular contributor Rob Bob, and it's an out of character. Excuse me, out of character email. Getting choked up over there. I know. I'm. I feel like. I feel like we've 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 really reached him. Yeah. <laughs> so, he writes, Brian's and Colin. I don't have a PlayStation, so I can't play The Last of Us. But Colin mentioned you can watch it on YouTube, which I did. That was an interesting experience because it was like a movie, but wasn't. It was four hours long. Hollywood would never make a movie that long unless they dug up David Lean to make the most pretentious film ever, but the length of the movie didn't bother me. The length allowed me to feel like the world the characters lived in, including the long travel times and mundane tasks they performed. 
Uh, I like the characters and the story. I think current movie makers would obsess with runtime rather than good stories and characters. Have a spectacular day and keep up the good work. Sent from my iPhone, Christopher Walken hit up his ass during the Vietnam War. There's there's good old Rob <laughs> coming through. There and, we go. And the signature block. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad you went and watched this. Um, it I think it's the idea of somebody taking and it wouldn't work with most games, but trying to distill the experience of a game into uh, like a, a film, you know, is really interesting. Uh, and The Last of Us is, you know, I haven't watched a lot of these, but supposedly yeah, the yeah. best example of somebody really taking time to do that um, from like a, f- a filmmaker's perspective as, you know, as far as what they recorded and what happened. So uh, I think it's intriguing that you did this, Rob Bob, and I... Um, it kind of made me think, like, man, I, I might want to try this someday because I, I love the game so much that it might be a fun thing to to watch. I mean, that's a long time to devote to something like that, but uh, maybe just watch pieces of it. I don't know how, how I would do that, but um, I, I I always like find that phenomenon weird to me that there are people who watch these regularly. Like, they're, they're I mean, they're YouTube stars who are born because of people watching them play video games. Well, that so that's getting into hold it. I mean, th- what he's talking about is a really a game distilled into a cinematic experience. You're talking about Twitch streamers. That's a whole different ballgame, right? So, so that so this is but this is basically edited as a movie. Yes. Okay. In the most cinematic way possible, with the least amount of gameplay possible. Oh, okay. Or only gameplay that you know adds to the. Is is important to understanding the the narrative. Okay, but it, it includes gameplay. Um, it's just thoughtfully and meticulously ended. Okay, so uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's interesting. Um, are there what are what are some other like just for me? So I know the the order got that treatment because it's a relatively short game mm-hmm. with not a lot of gameplay. Okay. Um, I'm guessing most games have been treated that way. And, I mean, you can watch full playthroughs of almost anything online. But what do you think would be... Like, Bioshock might be a game where you could do that with. I don't... You, I think Bioshock, you would be better off... <clears throat> playing? Watch just... You, you could almost just watch the... Uh, well, and here, again, yeah, you just have to play it. At a certain point, the way that the 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 world is conveyed to you, right? That's is not through cutscenes and not through narrative events. It's from dialogue of NPCs. Yeah. It's from propaganda in the background. It's from the little. Loading screens in between, yeah. yeah. Just, uh, just it's it's the small stuff, and that's I mean, it's one of the big differences between game immersion and film immersion, right. and yeah. you, you know, yeah. So, right. Do you want to read this one? Sure. Uh, so, Chunk the Punk from Afternoon Yap emailed us, and uh, so he attached a. 
picture from Reddit, and it says, according to this movie theater, we all time travel to 1995, and there's a marquee that has Power Rangers, Ghost in the Shell, and Beauty and the Beast playing, which is, that's so Hollywood, honestly, like, that is the most Hollywood thing, like, that, what, 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 what best sums up Hollywood today than that marquee, right? Yeah. Remakes, reboots, read this, read that. And speaking of re- remakes, uh, he also writes in, also, I'm bummed by the new trailer for Stephen King's It. The original miniseries starts off with Pennywise, the clown not being scary, and eventually he changes into t- into terrifying. They're going they're going for scary right from the get-go. Also, it's tough to top Tim Curry's performance. I'm worried. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with your sentiment. I really like the trailer. In fact, I... Well, first of all, I'm not the only one. It's the most watched trailer, like, of all time on YouTube. 250 million views uh, so far. Uh, it's probably more now. That's but, pretty serious. Yes. It's a... People love that trailer. Uh, I love that trailer. Um, Pennywise is trying to get our attention right People now. are hammering... That is, I, that is something you don't hear very often in my apartment. Uh, but anyways, I, I really like the trailer. I um, don't know when... Chunk, I don't know when the last time you watched it was, but I mean, I feel like he's pretty terrifying from the beginning. He's at least creepy uh, in the beginning. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think part of <laughs> part of the the way the miniseries works is like the children might not be as afraid of Pennywise as they should be, but you mm-hmm. kind of see yeah. him for who he is. But I, I feel like he was always. Very menacing and very creepy, even from the first the first shot you see him in. You watched this very recently, didn't you? I watched it within the last uh, year and a half, I would say. Maybe the early last year I rewatched mm-hmm. it. Um, but I think the 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 trailer you just can't really tell. It's um, hard to get a vibe from. You don't. You yeah. don't. You don't get the whole scene of. The him appearing in the sewer or appearing in you know the, the clothesline, um, you just they just sort of show a a quick cut of his face, yeah. and you, the rest of the trailer takes place later in the the story. So I, I don't know. I I I know what you're afraid of, like this being, which is a sort of a modern horror, twitchy, fast, fast jump scary. Yeah, yeah. Instead of the just the unnerving, menacing, terrifying mm-hmm. Tim Curry treatment, I, I would just say wait and let's see. I don't really know if you can tell from the trailer. Yeah. The, the other thing that I'll say real quick is this film. Uh, so Carrie Fukunaga, Fukunaga, Carrie Fukunawa, um, the, from True Detective and Beasts of No Nation. He originally was set to direct this movie, but he wrote the script for this. Okay. Um, and somebody else directed it, but they stuck with his idea. So this is a two-part film. But the first part of this is just them as kids. The sequel is going to be as adults. And if you notice in the trailer, unlike the original film, it's not woven, you know, they're not going back and forth in time. Mm-hmm. So this movie is strictly them as children. Which, that's when the majority of the real horror takes place. I mean, there's some crazy 
you know, scary stuff to happen to the adults. But that to me is the weakest part of the of the original, is the adult stuff. It is, yeah. Well, and the, uh, yeah, it it the really the the pacing falls apart so fast, and then the yeah the reveal at the end is really bad. It's really bad, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the best the best part of the film is with the kids. Um, no, there's no question. So. Yeah, it was so, a miniseries. It wasn't a film, right? And the other thing is, I don't think that there's any way that this person, uh, Scars, I can't remember his first name, Scars are Scars Guard is um, is. There's no way that he's going to be better than Tim Curry. It's impossible to, to think that you're going to top that. It just has to be different. And so the performance cannot be the same. And you can't do what Tim Curry did. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Although Bill Skarsgård's picture on uh, on IMDb is kind of creepy, so <laughs> is it? Okay. He, he looks. It almost. I mean, look at his look at his eyes. Sunken in. Yeah. Kind of almost looking in different directions, but not quite. He's a creepy looking dude. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. We shall see. It's big shoes to fill. Well, I think that's going to do it for open discussion. We will be right back with some media hot takes. And we're back with Media Hot Takes, sponsored by the Possum. Possum, she's waiting to strike. <laughs> New and improved. Yeah, I don't know about that. Old and deranged. Yes. Uh, yes, that is. Yes, she is. Yeah. Okay. She's chewing on her pink bone. Uh, <laughs> oh. Drew, Drew Mascarelli uh, tagged us on Facebook in a... Uh, a, a possum flyer. Uh, Remind me to show you after the show. I look, Thanks, I look forward to that. Well, I think I'm going to go ahead and start just Do because it. who knows how long it will be until I give another media hot take. <laughs> Good point. Weeks, months, years even. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I somehow I've ended up watching some comedy specials recently, but one of my Favorite, the favorite things I've found, oh geez, uh, was a Netflix original. It's sort of a comedy special, sort of a one man storytelling show, somewhere in between there. Uh, it's called Neil Brennan Three Mics. And if you're not if you're not familiar with Neil Brennan, that probably makes sense because this is, as far as I know, his first big stand up anything. Uh, but you probably are familiar with Neil Brennan. You just don't know it because he was a one of the co-writers of Half Baked, and he was he and Dave Chappelle were the two co-writers of Chappelle Show. Uh, he also directed, uh, I think, the majority of Chappelle Show, and he directed, I think, a couple seasons of uh, the Amy Schumer yes show. I think he wrote on that show too. Very very possibly. But I guess at some point in his life, he decided he needed to stop sort of hiding behind other people, and he just went out and started over, basically as a a comic, and did, like, nightclubs and comedy clubs, and literally worked his way up until he got this Netflix stand-up special. And it's... 
It's called Three Mics because he has three mics, and they're each for a different purpose. One is for stand-up, one is for storytelling, and one is for one-liners. And it's just a... He's very funny, but it's it's just a very authentic show uh, because he spends a lot of time talking about his life and talking about his struggles with family and with mental illness. Uh, and it's it's really just kind of like nothing I've ever seen before. It's it's not you know like a Billy Crystal one man show or something like that. There's more traditional stand up in there than than something like that. But it, he is very funny, and just the, the way he talks about his personal life and the way everything is woven together, it's, uh, it's very sincere and interesting and unique, and I really enjoyed it. So that is Three Mics, or Neil Brennan, Three Mics, and it is on Netflix right now. How long is that? You know, it's it's not that long. It's barely over an hour. It kind of actually felt like it was a little longer than it was, but that was a good thing. I, you just you're enjoying it, and you never seen it before, so <coughs> it sounds like it'd be a long. It's not like it could be a lot, lot longer. <laughs> is this something that he travels and does, or is uh, this like a one-off just for? I don't know. I don't. I think he. I know he spent a lot of time developing the show. I don't know if he's perf- performed it a bunch or or what. But uh, yeah, it's a funny dude. I would I like I've never seen this. Obviously, I've never seen his stand up. Something I guess he doesn't do very often. Well, he he didn't start doing it until and a couple years ago. So yeah, that's a I mean that's a weird thing to just jump into. Honestly, it is. It's, and he talk he talks about it uh, in the special. So you don't have to watch it to learn more. Check it out. Yeah. Um. So I too watched something on Netflix. Um. Can you guess what it is? Do you have an idea of what it is? I really don't. It was just released this weekend. Did you watch Iron Fist? No. God, God, God no. Did you sit on an Iron Fist? <laughs> yes, exactly. No, I watched the teen drama uh, 13 Reasons Why. Have you heard about this show? No. Or the book? It's based on a book. I don't know. I've heard the book isn't very good. The show, um, quite the opposite. The show is... I, it's not for everyone. Let me start off by saying that. If you're not a fan of... Teen angst, or uh, really, I mean, it's very much in line with the teen films of today. So, think Perks of Being a Wallflower, or um, um, Paper Towns, something along that line. Collins, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking yeah, about right now. Cool. Um, <clears throat> but the, the the thing that it's so good about this is so do you know the the concept of this show at all? No, no I've never heard of this. Okay, so the main character main character Hannah Baker is uh, <clears throat> very depressed and she's committed suicide, and she has made cassette tapes um, for everyone that goes to her school that has driven her to suicide. Oh, you know what? I actually have seen a, a trailer for this. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Um, and so we're at, we're at the point in, in this story it, it starts off with um, almost everybody on the tapes have received the tapes, listened to the tapes and it's now our main character um 
to listen to these tapes and kind of have to deal with his uh, em- em- emotional state where he, Clay Jensen is the character's name played by Dylan Minnette who you might recognize from Don't Breathe. He was the main kid in Don't Breathe. Okay. Um, so he, he has to listen to these tapes and he's kind of himself a loner and a little bit of a recluse not very popular everybody kind of likes him because he's a, just a, a good guy but he's not very outspoken and he had this humongous crush on Hannah so we're following him as he's listening to these tapes and you're kind of it, it's very uh, it's very binge worthy because you want to get to his tape and you want to hear how he pushed her to this suicide um, but at the same time um there's a story that's going on, um, and these other students are trying to figure out how to keep him from going uh, and revealing this big secret that's on the tape. <clears throat> They're all aliens. Yes. Uh, the, the, here's the thing. The performance by Catherine Langford that plays Anna is outstanding. This is the first thing she's ever been in. She is a perfect lead for this character, she performs it with the nuance that is necessary to care about a girl that is dead. You know how she ends. There's no secret there. Um, the rest of the cast is is really good, and it's a teen drama that I don't know how there's going to be a season two. I haven't finished season one. I'm on episode ten, um, and there's, I think, 12 episodes, 13 episodes. <laughs> I guess 13 reasons why. There should be 13 episodes, right? Um this has been reviewed really, really well. It's the number one show on Netflix right now. If you're, if you've never heard of it, you're going to hear of it in the near future. I don't think this is going to be quite as big as Stranger Things, but it's pretty big right now. Uh, Seventy six on Metacritic. I think it's got like a ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics are really loving this. I am fully addicted. I think that even when it falters in some of the more dramatic scenes where some of the characters, some of the actors aren't good enough to pull off some of these scenes. Um, the the story is just and it's just a really good and relatable story. So, thirteen reasons why on Netflix, check it out. I've already recommended it to several people who I know would like it, and they've all loved it. So, yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time to move on to the elephant in the room. I mean the ghost in the shell. The re- a review. We'll we'll be right back with a spoiler for a review of Ghost in the Shell. And we're back with a review of Mouse in the House. The 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 shell the ghost in the shell or shell just game? the shell shell game in the shell playing the shell game turtles in the half shell ghost recon <laughs> <laughs> Michael Creighton's ghost recon <laughs> what a uh, what a review this is gonna be I I've been you know you know what kind of kind of sucks is I was kind of being kind of a dick and I was like looking forward to reviewing this because I knew that like you were dreading it but we're here now and yeah you don't you don't feel any better about it do you it's not as fun as no it's not I thought it was gonna it's be. not because I'm because I 
I played the long game and I made you watch the real thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kept wanting to hold out and say, no, 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 I'm going to watch the real thing after. I don't know if it really would have mattered either way. This movie is just not good. Yeah. Well, all right, so I'm going to do my best, and I think Brian is too, but I'm not going to speak for him, too. In this part of the review, just talk about this as a film. Um, but if you've never seen the original film, the the second part of our review with spoilers will have spoilers for the original because I can't really talk about it without... I, I, need, I need to bring in the context of the existing IP, like the other yeah. iterations of this. So if, but if you haven't seen the 1995 animated film Ghost in the Shell, you should see it. It's just, it's a great film. Um, we, we talked about it. It's not perfect. It kind of ends right when you want it to, mm-hmm. right when you are like getting super into it and you're like, this is amazing. Um, but it, it's really important. It's groundbreaking. It's fascinating. It raises some interesting questions. It's just great sci-fi, great cyberpunk dystopian sci-fi and you should see it so this film you should probably not see but you can (laughs) if you want to Um, (laughs) there are so maybe we should talk about the the good things the the good things is the good things are you want to set it up and say what this is about first yeah let's let's do that um (laughs) I, and I mean, it's, I'm I'm really curious. What what do we have for an IMDb synopsis here? Um, okay, so the IMDb synopsis says, "In the near future, Major is the first of her kind, a human saved from a terrible crash, who is cyber enhanced to the perfect, to be a perfect soldier devoted to stopping the world's most dangerous criminals." Okay, yeah, that sounds okay. I guess. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Maybe you should go first. Okay, well, that's fine. What did you like about this film? So, <laughs> uh, I, w- I was forced to see this movie in 3D. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like it's a really bad sign that that's the first place you're going with this. Well, I mean, yes, I agree. Because yeah. uh, if you know me, you know I hate 3D. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was not super excited about seeing this in 3D. <laughs> Uh, but ultimately, I am glad that I did because the visuals, um, the three D visuals in this were were spectacular, and um, I say that as as someone who dislikes this the way this the viewing this viewing films this way I hate. Um, aside from gravity, three D isn't usually done well. This this movie, I think, if for whatever reason, if you decide to see it. You might as well see it in 3D, because if you're going to pay money to see the movie, you might as well see it in the best way possible. Just put it that way. The visuals are great. This movie was definitely shot to be viewed in in, the, in that format. Um, I think that the action is gorgeous in the 3D format. Um, the visual style of the film I enjoyed. Everything else, honestly... As far as enjoying the movie, I, Scarlett Johansson, I, I have enjoyed her in other things. I didn't enjoy her in this movie. I don't think her performance makes a lot of sense in, in, in context to who Major is and the, the way that, that she portrays this character. Just 
it, it's odd um, and kind of I think she was she was probably directed poorly the direction is really bad editing is bad score is is not very good um, the script is awful and this has nothing to do with any kind of affinity or love for the the, the original IP because ultimately this movie doesn't have a lot to do with that and it it's a it's basically a movie that could exist without the original but would be missing three scenes because I, I just I feel like it these characters are just loose amalgamations of major from Ghost in, the original Ghost in the Shell and I guess standalone complex yeah. which I've never seen. So try yeah, try try and stay away from that stuff maybe. I I, I don't know. It, right. I mean, no, it's fine. I get what you're saying. It's just I don't really know what they're going for. This movie just is lost. It's it, it has it's meandering. It's not I was never really like bored as far as um uh Oh, I don't see where they're going with this or, you know, confused or it just it's not very entertaining. It's not an entertaining movie. You I could have easily watched this with the sound off and been just as entertained as Yeah. So, uh I have heard good things about the the film seeing the film in 3D. Um full disclosure from people whose opinion of the movie I didn't agree with, but it does seem generally to be Getting praise for how it how it screens in 3D. Um, I I enjoyed uh, Takashi Kitano's performance, uh, who plays the head the the boss, the head of District Nine. Or I, agree, I agree with you, but he's just not in it. But enough. he yeah he just uh, man I I just I don't really have anything positive to say about this movie and. At the same time, I'm not trying to say this was an awful movie. It is just really... It was really bland for me. Um, it does have some of the worst dialogue it's I've bad. ever seen in a film. Um, the, the, the dialogue in the first third of the movie is just... It's all exposition, and it's all the most on-the-nose, like, obtuse, in-your-face, like... You're too stupid to yes. possibly like be worth like developing subtext for. So we're yeah. just going to tell you what everything represents and how you should feel about it. It was it was the dialogue was confusingly bad, like laughably bad. Um, this film just never picks a direction and sticks with it. It never picks. It, it never gets the audience invested in the characters. It never gets them invested in the narrative and the plot or what's happening. Uh, it, it's not an action movie. The action beats are kind of inconsistent. There, the the first one I thought was shot really well. Yeah. But uh, then yeah. there are a couple with unnecessary fast cuts and too much camera movement. They don't last um, long either. They don't last long. There's not a lot of action in the movie. The. But I guess my biggest complaint is that nothing came together for me. It just, everything was bland. The visuals seemed kind of too bright and cartoony. And I wonder, I really wonder if seeing it in 3D, it would have made more sense. Because 
I can see how that would be true. Um, a, a lot of things just felt kind of just the whole movie was just very flat. It, it just it didn't have personality. It wasn't wasn't interesting or compelling. They the performances were were bland. I don't think the the direction of the actors was. I mean, the only really the only person who could have made a difference was Scarlett Johansson, but they just don't really. Mm-hmm. They everything and everything is just so black and white. It's just kind of. A, yeah, and there's really no. The other thing is, there's no real other characters in the movie other than Scarlett Johansson. Like, I mean, there's characters in the movie, but we don't spend any valuable time learning about them in any meaningful way to care about anything that happens to any of them. Um, well, even her character, even. Her character, the major, as she's called, just is not really, not really developed. I no, I don't think. I mean, yeah, I, there, there's a huge. I mean, so there's a twist in this movie that could really bring heavy weight to what is happening to her and uh, how that affects her future going forward, and it never really, it never really comes to anything and I I mean I, I don't know I think that ultimately this movie is it's so it kind of reminds me of uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of a good movie almost like G.I. Joe the original G.I. Joe so you know they ended up making sequels to, to that movie but that movie was so bad because Everything that they tried to do was so superficial and so what I don't know what like my dad thought G.I. Joe was supposed to be versus what I knew it to be. And that's why I feel about Ghost in the Shell is like it's like somebody heard about Ghost in the Shell or like somebody told somebody about Ghost in the Shell and then they wrote this move the story and then like, oh, these are this is what makes Ghost in the Shell iconic. We got to put it in the movie, and so, in the end, it just it doesn't amount to anything that is moving or thrilling or new. Yeah, and it, it's just sort of strange because the the if you're going to make a film about what this film is about, it has to like ask questions of its audience. It and this film, I just. And again, we'll get more into it in spoilers, but it, it's like was made by somebody who did not understand what f- figurative things were. Like only could only make only do literal things. Yeah, like, yeah. Everything is everything is just so black and white and so literal in this movie. Um, and the 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 editing is weird, um, but it just. I like I was just I was just bored watching this movie and I I know some of that probably has to do with my bias or my you know nostalgia and love for the the original film but uh at at the very least I was hoping for I wasn't hoping that for them to reinvent the wheel I was hoping for them to you know entertain me or something yeah, and no. uh it, it just this was just a bland, forgettable movie. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not gonna tell anybody to go see this, but 
you could probably do worse. I just yeah. I mean, it, I, I mean there aren't really any other action movies in in theaters. Uh, the the fact that this movie was PG thirteen like should be more annoying to me. But the the people who made this movie didn't have the like the wherewithal yeah. to like the film is so neutered and so bland. Like yeah, I don't I don't really think it it mattered what they did with the rating. You know, I just uh, I think that's all just ends up being a byproduct of the. I don't think they were telling a, a story. I don't think they even were concerned about it. Like the story, they told the story that they wanted to tell. Put it that way. The, this writer wrote this story. The director directed it. They weren't. I don't think they there was any chance that this was going to be rated R. Yeah, so I, I wanted to look at the uh, before we move on, just the the screenplay. Um, so Jamie Moss, William Wheeler, and Aaron Kruger. Uh, I don't trust anybody who spells Aaron E H R E N. Yeah. Oh, go figure. Transformers. Uh, Aaron Kruger, writer on Transformers. And oh man. Yeah, so uh, who in this Jamie Moss is really like a new writer. He wrote Street Kings, and then he just sort of showed back up in Hollywood. Um, this guy has written just a really weird mishmash of crap yeah. too. The Prime Gig, Empire, The Hoax, three episodes of The Cape. Everyone's favorite classic spy thriller, The Reluctant Fundamentalist. <laughs> Katwa. Yeah, what? I, I just, I don't know. Um, anyway, these people should not have written this film. It was, uh, it was just not good. And personally, I blame Aaron Kruger. Um, yeah. Who <laughs> has written such luminary films as... Uh, Scream 3, Reindeer Games. Oh, classic. Uh, Rings? He, well, he actually had, he adapted... Oh, wait, no. This, the Ring was already a movie. Fuck that. Yeah. The Skeleton Key, The Brothers Grimm, <sighs> Blood and Chocolate, three Transformers movie. Yeah. What? I mean... Yeah. Man. I could see this being like a Michael Bay... Student Michael Bay protege's attempt at writing a screenplay. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. Any any final thoughts? No, that's a C. I give it a C. Yeah, like a I don't know a C a C minus. It just like it was just so boring to me. Yeah, that's a, ultimately that's the thing is like this movie's not thrilling at all. The action is so watered down. The plot is so derivative, and honestly, like, the performances just seem, uh, there's good actors in this movie, and they're not allowed to act. Um, yeah, I don't know. I so, spoil it? one last thing, I would say, if you, if you have seen the original, if you're a fan of Ghost in the Shell or Standalone Complex... Please write us an email this week and let us know what you thought. Let us know yeah. if you like this film. Let us know how you reconciled it with the source material, or just just give us some impressions. I'd be really I want to hear from other people who have 
some investment in this. This isn't a new thing for them. So, uh, yeah, uh, midnightfilmreview at gmail.com. And we'll be right back to... We can't spoil this any more than uh, this movie did, but we'll, we'll give it a shot. And we're back. So, yeah, um, the most unintentionally ironic film ever made because it is just so completely soulless and devoid of everything that made Ghost in the Shell <laughs> relevant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in every way. I mean, the... God, the, 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 fun, the fucking... The, the fact that they took these two different storylines and just sort of haphazardly merged them together so they could include iconic shots from the from the original film it's just uh you know we, it's funny because we, we were watching the trailer and you originally were like well this is not going to be ghost in the shell it's going to be standalone complex and then we saw the trailer and it's like well no, that's from yeah. What what is mm-hmm. and we were both confused about what's going on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, and I mean, I think if they had actually committed to doing that, then I don't know, maybe it wouldn't be such a boring turd of a film. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't have the integrity to do that. No. Uh, which you just end up with. It's. Re- I mean, this this term is. Offensive, but this is this is just an abortion of a film. Mm-hmm. It's just two incomplete ideas haphazardly pushed together and then dropped with with no under just the, the level of understanding of the source material that the screenwriters had is baffling. Is baffling. Yeah, because. It, it doesn't it, it takes all of the interesting existential questions and just removes them and tell, tells you what the answer is you know yeah like and, and here's the thing is even even though it takes um, a different route then it doesn't ask the same type of questions the questions that it does bring up I think are interesting. But they are never real. The, the, the movie never gives the the script never allows for you to have those answer those questions answered or even approached with any kind of nuance. It, it's so weird. It's such a weird thing because like, you know, there's been so much said about whitewashing, like, and Paramount blames whitewashing for this movie's failure, and but even Scarlett Johansson. And, and comments she made made about I would never presume to play somebody of a different race and it's like you literally have the brain of a Japanese woman implanted into you in the movie so what are you talking about because that you are literally playing your ghost is supposed to be a Japanese woman inside of an American woman's shell it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen <laughs> yeah and it's like they I, I feel like first of all how fucking stupid are you not to see this coming? Like, not to see yeah. controversy about this coming. And I feel like the whole... The idea that... Okay, it was she was really Motoko, and why they had to call her Motoko, like... 
<laughs> it's like, ha, like we she was here all along. Like, no, you no. obviously added this after, like, every, people got pissed. Why they thought that would be a, a better approach than to just move the context of the film completely which was really the the only way they the only way they could have addressed this casting right you're already committed to casting Scarlett Johansson <laughs> right you have to move move the setting move the cultural context to somewhere else and just do your best and People would probably have moved past. It. No, I agree. Yeah, but instead we have double it's, down. It's, it's 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 but it's so fucking weird. We're still in Japan, as far as I can tell. It, yeah, maybe not, but there are plenty of Japanese people around. That's true. The, yeah. It's certainly not in America because there's a prime minister and the head of their governmental organization is Japanese. Yeah. So is it Japan? It sure, fucking seems like Japan. It's an island. Yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> So it's still in Japan. You, we've just addressed the casting by saying Scarlett Johansson is just a white robot with a Japanese woman inside of her. So <laughs> who the, whose idea was that? <laughs> because they're either just the most oblivious idiot or they're a just a, an evil genius troll. But I'm thinking it's the first one. Yeah, it's it's definitely probably the first one. What the what kind what kind of fucking solution was that? That's that's batshit crazy. That's fucking crazy. It is. I mean that is like some kind of it's like <laughs> I don't know. It's like yellowface is really what it is in a, in a lot of ways. It's, I, I mean <laughs> I don't know how it's. It, it's like it's confusing and it's not appropriate, but we don't know how to feel about yeah. it. It's some next level racism. Right it really there. is. The bar has been raised. It's not. It's not. See, this thing is. It's not any. It's not cultural appropriation. It's like beyond that. It's yeah. like, I, and it's, <laughs> right. It's. I, I don't even know. It, it goes beyond whitewashing. It goes beyond all that. I don't <clears throat> like to put this in the film and to. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's it. It was a painful point in the movie where I was like, "Are they really going? This is what they're doing? Like, this is? I mean, and obviously that you could have done it in a way that was a reflection of, well, you're stealing Japanese this Japanese property. You could really make this some meta shit and really turn it back on itself and make me think, wow, okay, you understand the problem with what you're doing to begin with. Nope. Nope, they think this is a good idea, and they think they're. It's like almost like um, they're like, <clears throat> we're gonna take this this Japanese brain because it's so powerful and beautiful, but it's not as strong as this white body. It, it just is. It's so racist, and it's. I cannot believe this movie got made <laughs> like this. I can't believe this was made that way. I, it just it blows my mind. Yeah, it, and just like whoever thought that. Somehow, like this would be a better solution than to just walk it off to a, just a a neutral third party place. Uh, other people signed off on this. Yeah, like this, they spent millions of dollars on this. You know, somebody went and said, "We have to address this criticism. Let's do it this way instead of just because." And I made the argument earlier that. The Ghost in the Shell is not the same outside of Japan. 
um, there there is a lot of context there, uh, both as far as the time period and the implications of the the politics that make it uniquely Japanese. But you still could have taken a lot of the other important questions from the film and moved them yeah. to a new context and made something that was good. It, it just wouldn't have been the, the same. And, you know, maybe... Maybe it would have been better off for it. Maybe you have more time to develop, you know... I, I don't know. It just... <laughs> but the, uh, the, the fact that instead we're in this sort of quasi-Japanese <laughs> racially... I, I don't even know what to call it. Like, weird... Racial panacea, Japan. Yeah. Like, I. I mean. I don't know, man. Why? Why did? What were they thinking? Uh, yeah. I. I mean, there's there's a lot more. I mean, about this movie that hurts my head too, and you know, we kind of mentioned it when we were talking earlier, just you and I, kind of before the show. It's like they took these scenes from the original Ghost in the Shell and just kind of threw them in there and all meaning is it's devoid of meaning so you know the, the finale is one of, it's probably one of the most boring and pointless and low stakes finale that you could possibly have I can't I could not think of a way that you could have made that ending less interesting <laughs> yeah. than, than yeah. they did and it's it's such a it's such a contrast between the because it's it's the same it's the same ending like I can't think of another case where this has happened where your movie is the same ending from a different movie <laughs> except they're not the same movie yeah you know yeah it's like I, like what I mean that doesn't make any sense like saying that out loud that doesn't make any sense because this is not a really this is not a remake of ghost in the shell it has or standalone complex for that but it's it's not the storyline is not the same but they end with the same scene yeah and it doesn't make any sense there's no context for it the the ending of ghost in the shell is Is powerful, mm-hmm. um, and there are a lot of reasons for it. And yeah, you, yeah. you watch. I'm just watching this, and I'm like, you really liked the imagery, didn't you? Yeah. Like, who fucking who made this movie? Yeah. Like, yeah. Wh- well, here's the thing: is you're back where you started. Yeah. Nothing has changed. You're you're back in the same place you were at the beginning of the movie. Nothing has changed. The major hasn't. Her, she has no arc. The arc that you think she has ends up not being there and any question she had of who she is or who she will become is just kind of forgotten because she's back doing what she did yeah. at the beginning of the movie I, it's, I guess I'm going to keep working for these people yes, that yeah. stole my identity and turned me into a murder robot and that's pretty much what she says Yep. it's yeah it's confusing and I I, I, when the movie was over, I, I just kind of like 
I sat there for a second, and I had to pee really bad. But I was I kept thinking to myself, is there am I missing something? Like I, I felt like <laughs> I, I like I I missed the point of of the movie. I kept thinking to myself like they had so so, so much. To draw from with Ghost in the Shell and Sandalone Complex, they have, they have all these ideas. And I kept thinking, like, did I miss something? Was I was I supposed to pull something? And I, I don't I and I I know that that's not the case. I didn't miss it. It's just there's nothing there. This is such a hollow, shallow film. Yeah, and so what what I was and what I felt like I was missing is you. <laughs> they just jump the shark so hard, like. You go immediately from, you wake up and you're like, what happened to me? You were killed in a terrorist attack. We put your brain in a new body. Mm -hmm. Like, now you're a government assassin. You're like, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Like, I am, you know, but so if you wanted her to be a government assassin, why didn't you just make her... Like, make her have always been the major, yeah, right? Yeah, Why do no. you start with her having this murky past Weird when past, you yes. are able to fabricate memory to a certain extent? It just... And then, she, like, she's immediately the... Like, they try and start off so just... Not in medias race, but almost. Like, she's just hunting down this terrorist, mm-hmm. like... So gung ho about finding this terrorist, and any concerns about the integral questions as you know, who am I? What is my place? What makes me human? What is free will? It's all just meaningless. It there's <laughs> there's no attempt to address any of them uh, by the film or by the by the characters. Yeah, and and what we have left is. The 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 plot of one story with random scenes from another story thrown in yeah. and all of the substance of it removed and, and I mean just some of it is just confusing like why why do you even need there so there's no nobody's ghost hacking in this movie why do you need the scene with the truck drivers there because it was in the in the movie because it's a memorable scene and go, that's the only reason. But they don't even they don't even do it right. The the truck driver the no the, the garbage truck guys don't have guns. They're just yeah. What? Why? Yeah. Why do they have guns? Where did that's the thing I kept saying is like where do they get their guns? Why? Why? Why do they have? What, what yeah. Oh yeah. On? And they <laughs> they're just garbage truck guys, and suddenly they they're having lunch. They have guns. Yeah. And all yeah. And, and all of a sudden yeah, they're they're like, I <laughs> I kept thinking to myself. Does everybody in this world just carry guns? Yeah, and and I, you know, so I'm not super familiar with standalone complex, but they sort of just give uh, Kuze like sort of the just make him the puppet master when it's convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, right. It starts off and he's just employing. He, he's using sh- shells, like empty shells, to try and hack people to find information. But then suddenly he's created this network of people, and he can ghost hack 
garbage truck man. Like, just, I mean, I don't. And then, like, so the other thing about this movie that drove me, that drove me nuts is, you know, aside from all the bullshit script stuff and it's just, so, Kuze can just pretty much be or do anything anytime he wants, whatever whatever they need him to do, he yeah. is. So if he can't hack it, he just shows up there. Yeah. And the, you don't see him. And then they, like, hide his identity. It doesn't even make sense. Like, it's like, okay, it's Michael Pitt is his character. But they do, they try to disguise his voice. They try to hide his face. And I, for no reason. Like, he's wearing a hood and a shroud. And I get, I mean, you live in a world where people are half robots. Like, wh- it just was so confusing to me. Why, like, he just shows up and rips off the one lady's face. And, like, why didn't he just hack her? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it didn't make any sense. No. And then the other thing is, and a lot of this has to do with editing, is there's this fight scene where she's hot on the trail of of him in his lair. Yeah. And all of a sudden... She gets, like, ten miles ahead of everybody. Yes. They don't catch up with their... And then they'll cut back, yeah. though. They'll, they cut back randomly to one of them fighting yeah. somebody. And then it cuts back. And I'm just like, yeah. what, is, why, what is going on? And also she gets just, like, cattle prodded a lot. You know? Yeah, That's like, just sort of... There's, like, three or four scenes where you get cattle prodded. And again, I'm not familiar with standalone complex, but... It, and we're just... I'm just going to keep jumping around to problems I have with the movie. Like, they, they just... They don't... She's not a, a character... And maybe maybe the major Motoko is different in Standalone Complex, but in Ghost in the Shell she is imposing mm-hmm. and inhuman externally uh, on purpose, and she's terrifying. And I f- I feel like I was I. None of that came across. No. Like, you, Scarlett Johansson is just sort of like a pretty robot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that falls into only being PG thirteen too. Like, yeah, it can't. Sh- like, yeah. In when you when I watched the the cartoon, what I took from her is she's a killing machine. Yeah, like she's a weapon. Like that's the idea. She is a beast. Well, the the problem is in the. <laughs> In Ghost in the Shell, she's also not the only cyborg. Right. She is a cutting-edge cyborg. Right, right. And she is dangerous because of probably her ghost, too, because mm-hmm. of who she is. Yeah. But she's not the only... She's not unique. And... Right. I, I, I don't... They, the way that is addressed in this, like, I just... Uh, doesn't It doesn't mean anything. Like... If she's the only cyborg, shouldn't she just be? I mean, people are just meat puppets. Like, yeah. how, why can why can she be defeated by cattle prods? <laughs> I don't know. Right, it's a good point. I don't know. Like that's her. We, that's her kryptonite is cattle prods. Like you see it several times. Just. I, I, I don't have an answer for you, Colin. I mean, it doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't know, man. Like, the... Yeah. Yep. 
the, the major who literally fought a tank with her. <laughs> right. With an assault rifle. and. But even that scene is not... Well, it, it, it's meaningless in this. Yeah. And in that, she... That is... That is who she is. She is so formidable that she is a match for a tank. Yeah. And in this, like, she's just... <laughs> she just she seems so frail. Yeah. No, you're uh, right. Yeah. Which runs counter to how they characterize her. Like, how she's built up in the film, right? You know? I just... I, I mean... What, 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 I, don't what, I don't know. What the, I mean, this was. She's also not, you know, in in Ghost in the Shell. She's a police officer, and this she's just a murder murder bot, I guess. Yeah, it's like, like she's a hired assassin. Yeah, like I, a special ops Marine Corps sniper who last resort listened in. You know, what I mean? it's almost like RoboCop in a, in a way, like ex- except, yeah, God, yeah, except RoboCop doesn't deserve that comparison. Also. Uh, I know this. I'm not breaking ground here. People mentioned this before. Is like uh, the what's the director's name? I can't remember his name. Uh, shoot, uh, Rupert Sanders. Man, that guy loved him some Blade Runner. <laughs> like, there's a lot of Blade Runner in this movie for for really no reason. I mean, it's just uh, he liked that style, I guess. Yeah, but he's not. He doesn't. He's not good at it. No, you know? it's just. I mean, again, it, it's like it apes the whole yeah. cyberpunk genre without achieving any of it, which is kind of incredible to me. Um, yeah, as good as visually stunning as this film is, um, it does lack a sense of original style. Um, and and sometimes it's just like really bad. Like some of the like the like the very last. Um, so when she fights the tank, the way that that set is set up is awkward and confusing, and not very. It doesn't look very good. Yeah. So this is really his second big film. He did Snow White and the Huntsman five years ago, and he did this. Wow, what a weird amalgamation of people to put together to make this film. Yeah. And this is, I mean, like, here's the thing. This movie made $19 million. It cost a boatload to make. And they really wanted this to be a franchise. And after its release, it's there probably won't be a sequel to this. I mean, I feel like this movie is going to be forgotten by the general public. Yeah. And for everyone else, it'll just be... Another great example of Hollywood doing shit they have no business doing because they... I don't... I just don't understand how movies like this happen. Like, do none of you have any understanding of what you're doing? Uh, What made this (laughs) thing good in the first place? What you need to do to successfully start over? Um... You know, so Paramount, go fuck yourselves. Uh, Please. This film, they spent $110 million on production alone. Uh, who knows about advertising? And it's made $73 million worldwide. So it's probably going to 
not quite make its production budget back, I would guess. Um, it's not going to be as huge of a loss as it might have been yeah. thanks to uh, international screenings. But, uh, yeah, it. Uh, I just, just fuck everything about this movie. You know, I just, it's, it is so, it is such a hilarious example of the worst parts of Hollywood remakes. I agree. They're just... just yeah. It's like, there's an IP that exists. People like that IP. Let's make, let's turn that into a movie or let's, you know, remake that because we can be, we can make money off this. And this, this is, this is the bad side of that. This is, you get movies like this, which it basically shit on the original and shit on standalone complex and is uh, even if it was if it was called something else it would be a bad movie too because it's poorly directed it's poorly edited it's uh, it's not it doesn't do anything really good that's, no it doesn't and that's the that's the problem you know? the f- the first scene is an interesting sort yeah. of matrix esque action scene it never it's all downhill from there and it's, it's never gets ev- <laughs> it really every action beat after that is worse yeah. than the one before it um anything else you want to say do you want to talk about next week yeah i guess so i have a surprise for you oh not Which, just not the stinky pinky again <laughs> no not this time okay so originally we were like man there's no movies to see yeah but we got lucky and um at a local theater, at our local theater at the Esquire. Smurfs the Lost Village? Raw or Train Spotting 2. Are both I think we should see Raw. I really want to see Raw. Yeah. And I, I I was hoping you'd say that. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be back next week with a review of Going in Style. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, okay. Well, do they have they have showings at our usual time or are we going to have to... We'll have to figure that out. Swing for the fences. Um, yeah, we'll have to figure that out because I have some personal stuff going on this weekend too. So we have to dance around. Have to do the do the mamba. Man, it is like. Are we gonna end up seeing Fate of the Furious? <laughs> Dude, there. I mean, we have free. We have free fire on the twenty first. <laughs> and then. <laughs> Guardians 2 on the 5th. Like, that's it. I guess the King Arthur movie the week after that, which I just don't... don't Maybe, hopefully, we'll get a few independents. Like, we got lucky this week and Raw popped up in our our neck of the woods. Um, You know, I've read some reviews about Trainspotting 2, by the way, and um, people were... A lot of people were, were... prefer it better than uh, they, they like it better than the, than the first one I don't know how you how you can like this well yeah that's weird that's a weird thing to say but intriguing I yeah. will I will give it that people are it's getting really good reviews but I, I can reviews, but. I can see that so uh, man I, it would be really nice if Guy Ritchie would start making good films again <laughs> and I, I I'm gonna be honest I have zero zero faith in the fact or in that this King Arthur movie will be that good film I agree because he just he just I feel like is getting more mainstream Mm -hmm. but not in a not in a good way like he he's getting less 
I mean, Guy lo- Ritchie. Yeah. Less unique, less stylized. I, I don't know how to... Lockstock and Snatch are two... Uh, it, if you put those two movies side by side and say they were made by the same director that, that made King Arthur and... Well, we haven't seen King Arthur yet, but... But still, it's hard to imagine that they're... You know what I mean? I, yeah, well, I mean, so... Uh, Lockstock, Snatch... Uh, Rock and Rolla. Rock and Rolla. But then Sherlock Holmes. And then it's... You know, actually, I guess it hasn't been that long. Okay. Let me take a step back. It hasn't been that long. He made... I never saw Revolver. I haven't either. But it has a... It got awful reviews. Just unbelievably bad reviews. <laughs> yeah. it, ha- it has a 25 meta score. So I never saw that. Rock and Rolla was a weird film, not great. But then Sherlock Holmes was good. Mm. Then Sherlock Holmes 2 was not <laughs> that, that was, good. was not good. And the man from Uncle was also a disappointment because the ca- I thought the cast was so good. I just don't know what happened, man. Like, was it... I mean, is he directing those films because... I blame Madonna. How about that? Well, you know what? He didn't write. Uh, he didn't write the first Sherlock Holmes movie. Do you know Snatch has Snatch has a really bad Metascore. Really? Yeah, fifty-five. I love that movie. I like it better than Lockstock. I mean, I love Lockstock too. But Lockstock doesn't have a great Metascore. Sixty-six. Hmm. Interesting. I guess it was just. Uh, us millennials that like that movie. The first movies. Sherlock Holmes is a 57 Metascore? I feel like I'm living in fucking bizarro world. <laughs> really? Who didn't like that film? I, I don't know. I thought everybody did too. Am I taking crazy pills? No. I mean, the second one was awful. I, I mean... The first one was so fun. What yeah. was there not to like about it? I agree, man. What, what can of worms have I opened? <laughs> I don't what know. What is this? We gotta end the show. We're, okay. We're, we're rambling. Yeah. Um, check me out on Twitter at Brian Stevens KP. Follow us on Facebook at Midnight Film. Sorry, Facebook.com slash Midnight Film Review. Email us at Midnight Film Review at gmail.com. Fans of Ghost in the Shell, please let us know what you thought. Yes. And uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Okay, bye.